Hello and welcome to the Mental Health Gaming Podcast, episode 17, I think it is now. I'm Bradley and I've just checked and after doing a few laps around Silverstone to test his eyesight, I'm joined by Stu. How are you doing, Stu? Not bad, not bad. Although you stole my joke, I was just going to use that one as well. (laughs) (laughs) I think everybody in the country is going to be using that joke over the course of today at least. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't want to go too much into it because it's just completely depressing. Um, oh, yeah. even, for, even for a podcast that talks about mental health for the most part. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go into the whole Dominic Cummings thing. Nope. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll drive straight into games, shall we? Oh, why not? I know you said to me off air you've not played much, but you're going to have played something at least. So what have you been playing, Stu? Well, my PC carked it over the weekend and I've managed to fix it, but it got uh, tanked by an update. I don't know which one. And it was one of those where you're just crying and huddling in a corner while shaking, trying to work out what's gone wrong. So eventually I just had to nuke it and start again. And each update I've done since, I've taken a full backup after each one and just like yeah. wrapping it in cotton wool. So that scrubbed like two days of gaming out. So really frustrating. But I've managed to play some games on my switch and i've been playing this shoot em up collection by pixel heart mm-hmm. and i'm going to be reviewing it for the site and it's a collection of three two horizontals one vertical shooter they've done in a 16-bit sort of style and they're sort of i would describe them as cheap but cheerful really yeah. they don't bring anything particularly exciting to the genre but or innovations for that matter but they're fun enough and they're they're tight. That's really pretty much it for this week. It's been yeah, it's been a weird one. I've been busy with lots of other bits and bobs. How about you? Uh, well, I just want to say with the shmup shmup collection, is that right? Should, I think yeah. Shmup, yeah, yeah. Are they actual retro games into a collection, or are they all new games? Uh, that's the one thing that confused me when I first saw it. I wasn't sure if they were existing games. Yeah, they're existing games. They've been out for quite a few years. And in mm. fact, I'd, I'd played one of them, Armed 7, before on my PC when it was for sale. Uh, I think, I'm not sure quite how old, but probably at least five years, maybe six or seven, even some of them. And they've just been dragged together onto Switch because obviously it's it's now the home of shoot 'em ups Yeah, so. it's, I mean, like you said, like, it doesn't do anything innovative or anything like that, but I kind of, I remember when I used to go to the local arcades and that when I was younger, and I'd be able to bounce off any of the shoot 'em up style games um, just with these because they was all very similar. I think it's one of those weird genres. I don't think it needs any major innovation. I'm happy, for me anyway, just to play mm-hmm. the same sort of game with a different skin. Yeah. If, if, if FIFA did that, I'd be well peeved. <laughs> I know what you mean. No, I'm I'm pretty happy just playing stuff that's taken all the best elements and stuck them all together and made sure that, you know, there's no glitching and crashing and it flows seamlessly. Uh, it's a pretty low bar to meet, but when the genre's been going for like 35 years, then sometimes that's enough. But there's definitely room for innovation, and I think structure is part of it. Uh, I won't go into a big thing of it, but if you look at the most recent uh, Darius game, Darius Burst, that had some good ideas in it, especially about branching paths and the types of ships that you can get and stuff like that and what they brought to the table. Uh, It's a really big release and it has a a lot of depth to it. I'm not into vertical shooters, but I know a lot of people get excited by Cave 
and their stuff. And I think they brought up quite new innovations over the last few years. So there's room. It's more difficult, I think, because it's so established. But yeah, no, I'll I'll just play through something that's, you know, dumb and full of brightly coloured neon bullets. That'll do me. So what was your first shooter that you oh, were playing? That's a great question. I think it was... I think it, in terms of like the classic side scroller, um, horizontal shoot 'em up. I, I think it was Sidearms, mm-hmm. the Capcom game. I yeah. think was eighty seven. It might have been eighty six. It was not long before R type R type came along and blew everything away. And R type R God can't even say that today. R type is one of my favourite games of all time. It's probably my favourite shoot 'em up series of all time as well. Close by. Gradius or Gradius, however you want to pronounce it. Yeah. And um, yeah, so that was the first of, of the, the classic style. But I played Space Invaders when I was really, really little. And that was probably the game that got me into games in the first place. But that, 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 I think that along with Pong and something like Tetris, I think they're the sort of games, they're like the seeds of all games, those sort yeah. of ones. Um, yeah. For me, it was Defender. Um, yeah. I got an Atari, I want to say a 2700, I want to say. Yeah, 2600. Junior. Oh, right. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was I was about three when I got it. And um, I got given that and it came with uh, a Centipede and Defender. Um, and I remember just playing Defender forever. Uh, but I don't think I've ever managed to get better ability-wise than Defender, because on the Atari, it was quite a slow game. Um, yeah. it, it wasn't able to throw all the enemies and bullet hell-type stuff at you that some of them can do. Now, so I've never been able to adjust. I've expected... I, I've, I like the ones that are slower paced and aren't bullet hell. But yeah, Defender, mm. and it's still... I, 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 I went back to it about four or five years ago to give it a go, and it's really weird. It still holds up. No part of that game has aged at all. No. Defender no. 2 was shit. <laughs> I've never played it. But yeah, I played Defender. Um, I went to an arcade pop-up. Uh, I think I've mentioned it before. In Bristol in, I think it was November. Might have been October. And played Defender and Centipede there. And they're just, they are completely timeless. There's no bias. Because no. um, my wife uh, had never played them before. And she played them and she was like, oh yeah, I'll give them a go. And then she was just like glued to them and people were kind of hitting her with sticks to get them off them and have a go. So yeah, absolutely timeless stuff and, and peerless as well. So yeah, definitely. So uh, that's, uh, that's pretty much all you've been playing, yeah, that in terms of games. Yeah, although that reminds me, um, I play, I've been playing a bit of Next Machina and we mentioned it in, the, in a, a section of the podcast last week that got cut because it overran. Uh, so just a very brief bit on Next Machina that it's a arena shooter, a bit like Smash TV or Robotron. Very, it's made with voxels, so it's got you know flying cubes all over the place that are really cool. I don't think it's perfect. I think there's some sort of fairly glaring errors in its design that stop it being a classic, and they could it could have been one of the absolute greats. But as it stands, it's really good fun and a great time sink, and very much more of a one of those one more go games that you don't put down. And you find out it's three in the morning, and you know your wife's going to leave you type of games. So yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I had a little go based on that last week. Just a little re- uh, jumping in again, and I'm still rubbish at it, but it's still fun. Yeah, it's it's a fun game. It's yeah. um, one of those that you can just pick up and play. Um, and the, yeah, they're always great to have around. 
But for me, I've been playing three games. I've been playing, and I'm, I'm only going to touch briefly on a couple of them. Uh, there'll be reviews up for them. So I've been playing Turmoil, which is a, an an oil digging business sim in a way. It's a two D sixteen eight to sixteen bitish era style graphic where you run an oil company, you go into competition with other oil companies. And you have to dig for oil, sell the oil when it, the price is high, store it when it's low, and try and maximise your profits. And as you go, you can earn upgrades, you can buy new equipment. And a really, it's an interesting game because it looks so very sim- simplistic in, in how it's done. But the nuance to it is, is just, yeah, loads, just loads of nuance to the way it works. Um, you can play at a very base level of just watching when the high, numbers are high or when the numbers are low and doing your actions based on them and you'll get through but you can really go in depth with it as well but because of the style where it's just this 2D effect you know side on game you don't get lost like other sims do where you know the city builders and park builders and that i find those sometimes could be just a bit overwhelming a bit confusing to know where go what goes where what you should be doing at any one time and this simplifies it down while keeping the depth came out a few years ago on pc and it's just got a switch pull and it was a game i really liked at the time that i felt really flew under the radar and next to no one apart from absolute fans of the genre and, you know, proper gamer geeks knew of. Um, so, again, coming to the Switch, it's it'd be good to see it get a new audience and hopefully earn some of the commercial success that it so rightly deserves. But, yeah, there's not, not much really else to add to that one. It's just a really good game. I've also been playing Red Wind's Aces of the Sky, which is a aerial dogfighting arcade game that I was hoping was going to be Crimson Skies or that Snoopy one on the Xbox 360. Snoopy Flying Ace. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, that was... I looked at it and just went, oh, Snoopy Flying Game. It's going to be cheap cashing, but gave it a go and it was outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. It is the sequel that Crimson Skies deserved. Um, unfortunately, again, I don't think it was a massive commercial success and it didn't really get the attention it deserved. So for the past few years, I've been hankering after another Crimson Skies. And uh, Red Wings looked like it. And there's a lot of elements that work really well. The actual combat within the game is really, really good. You never feel like all the enemies you're against are cannon fodder. You know, you feel like you're in battles all the time. You're having to really switch between like tailing someone and going offensive to then having to, to do a barrel roll or just do a quick turn to try and avoid and then get defensive and maybe get to the clouds for some cover. It's just the combat is so satisfying. Unfortunately, the story is based around the Red Baron, which is fine because I think the Red Baron is, a, is an interesting story anyway. But the... The story itself and the campaign, just I don't know, it just wasn't quite there. It felt flat, it felt repetitive, and it just didn't feel right with some of the level choices. So most of it's done this 3D behind the plane view, as you'd expect. And then there's this 
weird top-down bombing section that just doesn't feel cohesive with the game itself. Um, and that just feels really weird and out of place. And then, like, a lot of games try and do when it comes to flying. They've got this mission where you fly after fly through various um, rings to refuel your your plane. And as a level on its own, we're just trying to get something, it just doesn't make sense in a campaign mode. So where it does come into its own, though, is there's a survival mode where you've got easy, normal, or hard, and you just go against wave after wave of enemy planes, like each wave being more aggressive or more in number than the previous. And that is really good. And I would have rather seen all the different modes they had in the campaign just put into individual ideas as a score attack rather than this story mode behind it that just did not work. Because, yeah, to play it, it's, it's really, really good. And even though it isn't the next Crimson Skies, it's close enough to scratch that itch. But it's just the, the fluff around it, unfortunately, goes from being a game that would be perfect in your daily rotation to being one that I've played now and I'm probably just going to let that drift to the back of the switch somewhere and probably not pick it up again, which is unfortunate. Yeah, sometimes just missing that small element of brilliance or not even brilliance, but, you know, outstandingness. <laughs> you know, yeah. just something that marks something above. Um, if it's missing, then you can just drift off. Yeah, it, yeah. it's balanced. I mean, when you look at something like uh, Lonely Mountains, uh, downhill, the, the the mountain biking game. That just went for, look, here's a mountain, complete these tasks, get some new bits, unlock the mountain, and that's it. And then it's a basically, it's a time attack game, a leader where you're chasing uh, scores on a leaderboard, and that's what you want. It's just pure. And if this had gone for that style, where it was just pure, I think it would have been a definite must-have game to have on the go at all time. But if they decide to follow this up, I'll definitely give any kind of sequel of this a, a, a definite look because the base of it is absolutely superb. And finally, I've been playing Atomic Crops from Raw Fury. And yeah, that's an interesting game. It's, um, it's a farming simulator, twin stick shooter, ro roguelike. Right. And it is, yeah, it's really weird. I mean, you, it's, Star, it's Stardew Valley, if Stardew Valley happened after the apocalypse, I suppose. Um, so basically, it, it's, I, when I first heard it described, I was worried what this would be like. Um, if it was a bit Stardew Valley, but with bullet hell, twin stick stuff thrown in, how would that actually work? And I was like, oh, I'm not sure this is going to be as good as they're describing. but. It is. So the way it works is you enter a new level. And because it is roguelike, it basically you're doing that a lot. You're entering a brand new state every single time. Um, but you enter a level, you get given four seeds you pick up and you plant them in a designated area. You then water them and any enemies you kill will give you fertilizer. You then use that fertilizer to grow your crops bigger and make them more valuable and then you take them back at the end of the day and you then sell them to get a currency which you use then to upgrade your equipment your health all different kinds of things like that but at the same time 
there's these mutant type and bugs and animals and what have you that are trying to take your crops and destroy your crops. So you have to defend them, but you also have to go exploring to try and take down other animals to get more seeds that you can plant and other upgrades and equipment, that sort of thing. And everything you collect in one day, you keep with you and you take into the next day. So if you just plant some crops and don't go and choose something else, you haven't got anything to take back with you. So you you then have to go and find that stuff first, which then eats into your growing time. And of an evening, you then have to make sure all you're doing is protecting your crops. So it's got these different segments to it. But what you can do, and this is kind of weirdly weird, where it's got like the farming life management to it, is once you go back and you're in the hub world, you obviously you've got your stalls where you can get your upgrades uh, and everything. But you've also got people you can start relationships with and you can build up a relationship with them and they give you additional perks. So it's kind of got that, that Stardew Valley-esque thing in the hub world, not within the main meat of the game. But it all ties together really, really well. Um, it's not easy. It's a bloody difficult game. I've been through it countless times so far, and I don't think I've got that far in it. But the, the general gameplay is one that I just keep wanting to go back to. It is, it is a really fascinating take on a few different genres, and it comes together so, so well. It's simple. It's fast-paced, but it's not overly convoluted at the same time, even though the description of it is. Once you're in, it just makes so much sense. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Def that, that's one that will be into my, my regular rotation, that's for sure. Cool. Also played Bug Fables. And apart from a weird, I don't I even want to say it was a save bug because it may not have been, it may have been my incompetence. Um, I had to repeat the opening half hour of that game seven times to do this for review because it just wouldn't save. And I'd wow. get, even if I died, it didn't have a save point. Um, and if I turned it off after saving, it hadn't registered to save. And all of a sudden, even without an update, it started working. Really weird, um, but it's a Paper Mario-esque game uh, that feels like it's made on a budget, but it's a really good game. Once you get past that, and you can trust me on this, once you get past that first half hour uh, for the seventh time, the game really opens up and becomes interesting. <laughs> but that first bit is, honestly, it's mundane, and it makes you think you're in for not the best of games. Um, mm. But after that, it really it gets really good. It's a, it's a decent Mario uh, Paper Mario clone. Yeah, been not second guessing myself of late, but um, I've been looking at again with my setups and trying to get things ready for this. Is making mis I've, I've made mistakes, or I'm, I'm fearful of making mistakes going forward. So uh, I look back, is this last month? I'm, I'm not gonna lie, got more money than we were expecting from both my partner, um, from her wage, and what I got through Universal Credit. So we made sure all the bills were paid all the um food we had for the month we could cover all of that and then but we added things like we've had steak every week not every day but you know once a week every, like for the last four weeks we've had steak on the menu because we've had that bit of extra money and then we've made sure the kids have got some new clothes and and stuff like that treated them to you know lucas has had you know a game 
an extra game, and I bought him his uh, the battle pass for Brawlhalla. A couple of bits. Daughters had some new bits uh, and, and little things like that. And then you sit there going, "That should have been. T- I've made a huge mistake. I shouldn't have spent that money. That should have been saved. It should have been put to the side and made sure that when things are short the next month, we we've got it there." Um, and then Marvin is going, "Well, no, actually." Got a, this is how it's been because you know we've got we don't know when we'll have that bit of extra money again and the kids are miserable enough being shut in or just in the back in the in the backyard enough so we've got to try and do what we can to make them smile we've got to do it for ourselves as well but I sit there and go it's a mistake that's going to come that's going to bite me on the ass in the coming weeks I shouldn't have done it shouldn't have done it and then I get angry when it's suggested like the kids start going because they've had a few bits oh dad can we have this can we have that and i'm like no you're not having it but they don't understand because the last few weeks daddy's bought them a couple of bits and then i get a bit moody at them because they're asking for something which as children they expect to get and then when we go shopping we go from going oh should we add these extra bits in or shall we get the value chicken or should we get the decent chicken and, and things like that and go, oh, we'll get the decent chicken. And then go, Ugh, can we even afford chicken? Should we get the good chicken or should we just go? For... And you start getting a bit petty with each other. Like when me and my partner goes, we start getting a bit petty with each other where she goes, what do you want for dinner tonight? And I'll go, oh, do you know what? I actually fancy a hunter's chicken. So what if we pick up a one of those ones in the tray rather than make or get one of the ones in the tray. It's just easy for when you get home from work. And she's like, but that's like that much money. I, I don't want that. You're going to have two to yourself then, and which is that's two meals. And we start getting that bit. And so I'm sitting there. That All that is running through my head. None of that is actually happening. That's all in my head coming up to what's coming up to the next payday and knowing what I'm going to get. And it's, it's really crippling because as far as I'm concerned, I've played out the next month in my head on how things are going to go. And I'm expecting it. So I'm getting short with the kids. I'm getting short with my partner in a way to try and preemptively avoid those interactions, I'm creating other interactions so that I'm protected against it. And it's just it's just trying to now tell myself, doing this, knowing I needed something I wanted to talk about and seeing this, I'm having to, I'm being able to now mentally reset. I'm trying to pick out when I do go down these, these rabbit holes of full and often delusion getting to the end of that and just going right stop don't let that be the month don't get in your head and force that to be the month that's coming just do what comes you you both know you're going to be shorter this month than you was last month in terms of funds so just just reset take things into consideration just lower what you do and go from there and what I found is, again, this isn't used to anyone, or this probably isn't a new technique to anyone, but I found that I will take time now where I can, when my partner's at work and the kids are distracted doing something else, where I, I will now sit down, I'll stick some music on on the headphones, close my eyes and take 15 minutes just to reset my brain. And I, I suppose, in a way, is that I suppose it's a bit like meditation, isn't it? I think it serves a similar purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a good idea to do it. Uh, but yeah, it's really weird. I mean, I, I'm not one. I can't sit there cross-legged, the, the wrists on on my knees and everything like that, and go, "Oh, 
Um, but yeah, obviously, I mean, I know that stereotype of meditation. I know people who do do meditation professionally will scoff at the idea that that's what it is. But yeah, it's it's really, I've heard people talk about finding things that allow them to meditate being so important to mental health. And again, I've always kind of gone, yeah, that's mumbo jumbo. That's just, it's just not what it is. You get time to meditate. Again, I always thought you needed to, if you was going to meditate, you'd be sat there for like an hour and a half, two hours, just zoned out. And I'm like, I can't do that with kids. There's no way I can zone out with kids for two hours. Yeah. And, but then I just realised, just taking that 15 minutes every now and again is really helping me reset where I need it. Yeah, I think a, long t- uh, a while ago, not, not even that long ago, I was kind of, similar to you, I kind of thought, I would think, okay, well, I'm going to do this thing that I enjoy. I've been doing a thing that I don't like, you know, washing up or, you know, actual day job or whatever, and it's stressful. I'll do something that I enjoy as a relaxation effort. Yeah. But I don't think that resets your brain. I think, it, like you said, if you take that time away from it all, that's something that's really needed and I don't think it's emphasized enough because you think that like by playing a game or whatever that you're you're doing that but you're not because it's you you can play a game but still have all of that stuff from the day spinning around in your head whereas if you sit down and and deliberately take time out from it you can question why you're actually letting that bother you and just like you say do a reset yeah, definitely. And I say one of the things that really got to me, and again, it's just just changing how you do things as well. Obviously, I've said in the past I picked up that um, I picked up a, a, a semi decent camera so I can start doing some better video recordings. Um, and by the time you listen to this, I should actually have my game capture device as well, so I should actually be able to start them all properly. But I went through a period. Where I just went, well, why, why did I spend out on that? Why am I trying to grow this so fast? Why I've made a huge mistake. I shouldn't have spent out on this. It could have gone elsewhere. And I started going, well, it's a massive mistake. I shouldn't have done this. So I went, no. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use this camera and I'm going to try and get back into some photography. So I've been out and about the last few weeks with the family, and just been taking pictures when we've been going through our walks, and they're coming out fairly well. But the upshot of that is my son decided he wants to start photography. So he was like, oh, can I get a camera like yours? And I was like, well, no, because I don't think I can quite afford another one of those. And he started going, what about why the old compacts? I mean, they're old. And to be honest, I think old compact cameras from even about a decade ago were just crap. I don't think they do anything. So I, I said to him, look, mate, what we'll do, we'll go out, take your phone, He's got an iPhone 8, there's crack screen a lot, you know, it needs fixing. But take your iPhone out, 8 out, take some pictures while I'm taking them. I said, don't worry about doing clever things like playing with aperture sizes or shutter speeds or anything like that. All I want you to concentrate on is getting good compositions. Take some good photos. And we went out this weekend, just gone, and he's taken, blown me away with the photos he's taken. Um, he has got such a good eye and he, he's talking about that he wants to now do photography properly what was initially I thought was going to be a huge mistake in my life by spending out money that I probably could have put elsewhere could lead to something that my son could now do possibly as a career if he takes it seriously at this age and really gets into photography now at this age I can get him the starter kit now and then each year maybe get him a new lens and then as he goes into college because he's got the lenses we can get him one of the higher grade camera bodies 
for college because whatever he does at college i know the amount that i had to that my mum had to spend out on art supplies and design supplies and stuff like that for me for college that's going to cost as much it would cost to get a camera body so it's not actually going to cost me any more if he does photography but what was again as again what was initially a mistake i felt was able to be reframed excuse the pun so that it's actually turned into something that's going to see my son benefit. And I think that's another thing that I'm able to do with these resets as well, is I'm able to look at going, right, hang on, look. Look at this in another way. You're not making mistakes at all. What you're doing is you're making decisions that might not have the most obvious outcome at the start. And do you know what? If he does it and he, and he only does this photography thing for a couple of months and then gets bored, what you have still got out of it is quality time with your child. And that's never a mistake. And yeah, just being able to, these meditative times, I don't like using meditation because, again, the connotations of the word. That's why I'm calling them resets. Um, again, we're, we're not professionals, so don't take that as that's a new kind of full technique that you should be using. But just for me, it's what I'm calling it in my mind. But these resets are allowing me just to, again, refocus and reframe decisions i'm making and spin them that they can be positive and when you suffer like i do and lots of other people do it's very hard to find the positives in what is an initial mistake yeah it's it's, it's a really weird one because when i first started thinking about this one i thought was oh this is gonna be such a horrible one to talk about i'm gonna sound like such a miserable bastard talking about it but it's, it's again it's felt really good this one because yeah it does you start looking at things in a different way and I, I wish there was a way that you could almost view yourself from third person so that you can actually see it from that different perspective and i yeah. used to look down on vloggers um no, not look down on them but kind of the youtube personalities and things like that kind of look at them and just go my god you spend all your time in front of a camera but they're all i know it, it's not a perfect thing and there are mental health issues there but they have all this footage of themselves that they edit together and they put out a perfect picture of that. But what they're also able to see, because there's a camera at them all the time through their choice, because this is what they're deciding to do. They're actually getting to see from a different perspective at another time, all their foibles. And that must help in a way being able to, to reframe and refocus certain things. Self-reflection is a really difficult one, isn't it? Because you can go too far and become completely self-critical and like you say like watching yourself back or just even thinking back and, and critiquing what you've done again can be a really good thing but also it can lead down a, a spiral that you don't like also it, it could leave it lead into ego and there are certainly some sort of stars and, and people who've become stars on youtube who it's self-perpetuating they'll do something that anyone in their right mind would think was a terrible mistake and a, a poor path to be following. But because they, their followers justify it and say that it's good or fun, then they think that's okay. And then they perpetuate it. So that's one of the curses of being a human being is that kind of self-reflection. But if you can get a good balance and you can re critique yourself for reasonably fairly and take a break and, and reset your brain, I think that's the best that you can possibly be doing. And as long as you're not hurting anybody else in the course of your actions, you're generally pretty much on the right track, as long as you're not hurting yourself in the process. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, it's good. I say I've been resetting. 
I'd say thankfully I've got now people around me who are much more aware of my mental health. And they don't tippy-toe around me, which is good, but they know on the whole when to say what things. And, and yeah, but you need to be honest with people, I think, to make sure that they are aware of what they should and shouldn't be saying. Yeah, honest, honesty can be not just the best policy, but that can be very hard to get to as well. So it's good that you've you've got to that place in your life where you can be, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, whether that'll be the same in a few weeks, who knows, because I say we... We obviously know with mental health that it's never that simple. And what I can say logically now or positively now may not be the same tomorrow, let alone in a few weeks. Yeah. But again, why I love doing these podcasts, because we have the opportunities to say these things. And from a pure selfish point of view, I can listen back to any of these now um, and go, oh, yeah, I did make sense then. Yeah, there are some there's some podcasts where you made sense. I'll I'll mark the ones where you made sense. It won't take you long to go through. There's about two, isn't there? Yeah, some like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, yeah, I think we've mentioned this before. Uh, someone mentioned mentioned it to me before, and I'll bring it up again. Where it's asked where we can make jokes about certain things, and humour is still, I think, one of the most powerful tools in anyone's arsenal. Um, you've got to be able to. To, to look at the humorous side of things. I don't mind people taking, making jokes or anything about mental health or even about my mental health because it helps. It helps it normalize that no one feels they have to tippy toe around it. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think sort of like if you see someone's, you know, been really down for a few weeks, making jokes about suicide to them is the best thing. And, you know, context is still a major thing. But, you know, it's still something that can be done. We we talk when I take my medication, we talk about I've taken my crazy tablet, which I'm pretty sure would be frowned upon if your doctor was to turn around and go, I'm gonna prescribe you crazy tablet. But again, it just keeps it lighthearted enough because again, we've got kids around. I don't want my kids to just be constantly thinking, Oh, you know, this is wrong with dad and because he's got he, he suffers some severe depression that we can't say anything. We've got to be really careful. So again, again, it's another discussion. Humans are an entirely different subject. Human, sorry. Humour is an entirely different subject. But again, it's dealing with things. It's just being able to frame things properly, working out when things are the right things to say. And I'm saying things way too often now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so have you got anything else you want to add to show? No, nothing really. Only the things that I always say, which is, you know, look after yourself and others and stay safe. Yeah, it's you seem to have more sort of calmer weeks than I do. And I think I'm, I'm trying to wonder what the difference might be there, Stu, what the difference between my life and your life is that maybe two of them, they're around 13 and three, that that could be the main one. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah, don't have kids. That, 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 that's the takeaway of any of these podcasts, don't have kids. But yeah, that, that's another week down. Like, subscribe, etc., etc. If you're on YouTube, press the bell. I think that's what you're meant to tell people to do. If you're watching this on YouTube, by the way, I hope you're enjoying the additions we're starting to make with the video footage. That'll get better over time. If you're only listening to the audio, go check out the YouTube videos. They're improving. But yeah, as usual, Discord, come and join us. Uh, chat, ask questions, whatever. And if you want to support us, we're on Patreon and Coffee, um, and again, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you can get us all on there. 
But yeah, thanks for listening. I'm off to Durham and I'll catch you next time. Take care.